I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, I really don't have much to say apart from this is episode 10 of the Premier Non-League podcast. Boom. This is the Premier Non-League podcast. Yep, joining us again. We've got another full house. It, everyone's laughing because, to be honest, it's really got to a point now where we're sitting here before the show saying what we're going to talk about. We've got Trevor's favourite uh, subject coming up yet again, um, and there's not really much else. So, but if if you can bear with us for the next what forty five minutes or so, hopefully you'll find something you like. Um, but welcome. We've got everyone on board again tonight. We've got Trevor. Hello, Trevor. Hello, Hello James. Pete, you right, Pete? Evening. Ian, you're not hungry tonight. Nah, but you are, are you, really, you, really, you really sold the intro there. <laughs> yeah, I know, mate. I know. Johnny's here again. Johnny, how are you? How do? Yep, he's fine. And Chris, Chris has just hopped on straight after work. So, uh, Chris, welcome back. Um, to good evening. to be here. So, um, a little bit to start off is really the only sort of uh, football that's gone on down sort of our level, really, at the moment of step three, is the Hornchurch Maidstone game um, in the FA Trophy, wasn't it, Trev? You, you were quite impressed by that game uh, uh, at the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it was back, backwards and forwards all, all the way through. I didn't, I didn't quite manage to get onto the stream in the end on Saturday, but I sort of followed it acro- across Twitter and everything. And Hornchurch won, I think it was a 97th minute equaliser to win it, 5-4. Um, but yeah, I don't think sides defended very well. I mean, Hornchurch, I think... 94th minute equaliser to win it 5-4. Sorry, 97th minute winner, I think it was. I think they equalised quite late, Maidstone, um, as well. So it was, they weren't expecting to go to penalties. Um, I was going to say then, Trev, the league haven't actually changed the rules of football now, have they, as well as well, everything else? Well, do you know what? <laughs> the way it goes at the moment, you might as well make it up as you go along, whichever competition you're playing. I mean, um, I mean, I think Hornchurch played, I think I saw three times since the beginning of November. They've literally all, obviously all been trophy games and nothing else. I'm not too sure how much training they've done in that time as well. So to um, take a full-time step two outfit all, all that way and then and then defeat him as well to get through to the next round. A really cracking performance. But then Mark Simpson's got a very good record in the FA Trophy as well. well obviously, a if... um, friend of the podcast, Chris Dixon, plays for them, but he was still signed so he wasn't in this match. No, he didn't, he didn't feature for Dartford, so I'm assuming he's injured at the moment, I guess. No, good lad, but uh, good result. Pete, you are going to say? Yeah, so it was the FA Trophy draw today and for Hornchurch you got a nice local derby against Darlington and we'll, we'll speak to Chris in a minute about that. Uh, Aldershot have got Hereford, Notts County have got Oxford City and Woking have got Torquay and there's obviously a few of those teams at the top of the National League at the moment. And obviously the Aldershot game as well was called off wasn't it Chesterfield at the weekend, Chesterfield coming down with Covid, it was the first I think outbreak in the National League for a good four or five weeks I think but because they've got to isolate for the 10 days, they've had to, um, all the shop been given a walkover 
And um, Chesterfield have got three National League games postponed. Mm. Well, they, like could, they couldn't field the, um, the, the under-19s either because they weren't able no. to train, were they? No. So what's the implications of not being able to field the team? They just withdraw fine? from the competition there. No, you just withdraw from the competition. Okay. That's how it's been that's how it's been all season. If you um if you can't, I yeah. think it's I think within five days you've got to reschedule the time playing. Is that right, Pete? That's it, that's exactly right. Yeah, you've got five days. So they've had somebody come down with COVID, they've got to replay it. Uh, so basically they're chucked out now because they can't replay it within five days because they've all got to self-isolate, which obviously is a minimum of 10 days. It's such a so stupid that rule, rule. So that rule makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And it's fair to yeah. everybody. Ridiculous. And like, well, uh, we, we had that in the FA Cup, didn't we, earlier on the season? Yeah. 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 And then, uh, um, I mean, I can point going back to that back in October, I think it was, when Barnet travelled to Leeston was when we had our first of, I think, four outbreaks of COVID we've had at the Hive. Um, and we went there minus, I think it was about 10, 10 first team players, only could field three substitutes, one of which of those I think was a non-contract young goalkeeper. Um, and somehow we managed to come away with a 3-2 win, I don't know how, um, just to ensure that we stayed in the competition because obviously the prize money is crucial to everybody. Um, you know, Hence why the FA competitions are still going ahead and league games are getting suspended because clubs are actually getting some income out of it. And, and I think I think that's that's one of the reasons as well that clubs are continuing to play in in competitions like the trophy, but then but they won't play a league game because obviously they need the income, so they're playing they're playing the cup competitions to get the money in the club, that, but they won't play a league game. So you know the sort of the whole system is slightly slightly twisted, isn't it? As we said before, it's a cup competition that hasn't even got last year's cup winners yet. <laughs> No. Well, actually, I can see there's another thing where on another, I, I guested on another show the other day and um, we were talking about how... You little um, podcast whore, you. Well, <laughs> um, it was a local journal asked me, it was a supporters, supporters from different uh, northeast clubs and one of them was a supporter from Heaven Town who are, in the, who are scheduled to play in the FA Vars final um, against Concert. It hasn't been played yet. And I, I, I firmly believe that it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility that um, the, the FA will go for a full non-league weekend and, and have two days of finals in Rome. Because that will make him money. Money, money, money. And um, if, because it, you know, um, potentially you've got some big clubs taking big groups of fans down. They're going to make a weekend of it. That make a their fear will make a fortune, so um, that that could happen. Yeah, but where's the, where's the fairness? though? <laughs> you win last last year's vast final on a Saturday. You yeah, hold it for a and day, then you, you, <laughs> and then you've got to hand the trophy back the next day. Where, 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 really, the trophy is one thing. You you, you get a mini replica, and, and and ultimately, I think for clubs like. Um, the Northern League clubs and you know that's the clubs at that step it's not so much the trophy it's the day out at Wembley and to see your side win at Wembley that is the key thing it's not the the, the actual physical trophy it's not even I mean to, to look at it the FA Vars I've seen better trophies at, in kids football you know so <laughs> So really, it's 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 about the experience. It's about seeing you, and as a South Shields fan, seeing them, you know, lift the vase in 2017. 
one of the greatest moments of my sporting life. You know, I've been to Wembley many times as a Sunderland supporter previously, lost on every occasion. And actually, uh, what well, didn't you lose uh, to a club last year? I um, can't remember the name. Begins with C. Um, no, you, you, got, you, you um, got relegated last, last year, James. Um, no, you got yeah, relegated. No, I can't really talk anymore. <laughs> yeah, we sold our bog brush to you, Pete. But you know, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah, travel back from London as a winner. It was just lovely. So the actual trophy itself, I don't think clubs would be that bothered. It's about having... The thing is, though, Chris, is you, you say it, though, and I, I know I never got the chance, but when, obviously, joking aside, when Charlton did beat Sunday in that playoff trophy, they had the reception, they had the main full trophy in the reception for fans to take players with. Yeah, you get that mini replica, but it's yeah. not the full size. And, you know, it's, it would be nice to, like, oh, the club's done so well, as you say, it was amazing for mm-hmm. Shields to win in the Vars, and I'm sure you had the opportunity to pose with the trophy or something like that mm-hmm. if you'd wanted to, but you want to do the full size one not a mini replica so one club's going to get right here you go here's the main trophy lift it on the sort of steps uh famous Wembley sort of the box um and then next day oh here's it back and then another club but they get to maybe take it back to club so it'd be interesting maybe maybe they won't give the full size trophy to any of the clubs and they might just give the mini replicas and say you know that's it just because of what happened that's just an idea I've had it's speculation you know it's pure pure chance but I wouldn't put it beyond the FA to do something like that um, to get it to get it done, as they say, Liverpool are going to have that problem as well. They are indeed. They, they won't win any trophies this season. <laughs> <will they? laughs> anyway, going back to um, going back to Hornchurch and the financial aspects, and obviously uh, money for non-league is uh, difficult to come by because I don't think even the funding's been announced yet from steps three to six. But I worked out earlier, Hornchurch's cup run in the trophy so far has earned them twenty-eight thousand seven hundred pound. This season, that's decent. Which is, which is, which is brilliant for them. Absolutely brilliant. Fabulous. But it's going to some of that's going to be eaten into having to travel all the way to Darling. Um, Pete would quite yeah. happily drive the minibus with them, I'm sure, if it was uh, Worthing, wouldn't you? All the way up. <laughs> it was Worthing's minibus, even though it's bright green. Yeah. Popular colours. <laughs> Well, moving on from that, um, you know, talking about, you know, the, um, the money they've made. I know um, Trevor's gasping at the bit to talk about funding, <laughs> like the step three to six. Well, um, what, what's the latest in step three to six? Um, oh, three, three to six, yeah. Funny enough, Pete, actually, what Hornchurch have earned from that um, Vars run is, is almost the maximum amount they're allowed to uh, grab in funding as well at step three. It's 20, £27,000. I had a, a look up before and, and had a check and see what everyone can get. Um, basically, every club from step three to six are able to apply for part of the ten million pound winter funding survival fund, whatever they call it, um, which is a maximum of twenty-seven at step three, which goes all the way down to step six, where they can get a maximum of seven and a half thousand, which is massive for a club of that size. I mean, you know, around our area, we're looking at Littlehampton, Wick, and Arundel. You know, seven and a half thousand pounds is a lot of money, but that would keep those clubs ticking over comfortably into into next season and will and should ensure that you know every single club from from those levels should still be around next year there's no reason why they can't be they've all got stipulations as to what they can spend it on and what they can't spend it on so they will have to prove that it's gone on sensible things rather than you know players wages and bits and pieces that they're not allowed to to um to put it on but in comparison to um to what's still going on in steps one and two in the national league, <laughs> it's so much so much easier for steps three to six. But I'll be surprised if we lose a step three to six club. Um, you know, providing they've not been run outside their means for the last few months anyway. You know, those grants should you know should ensure we 
start with everybody, at least in the same division next year, if not a few that have gone up, um, you know, because the FA actually do do something sensible and decide to do the restructure that they want to do. Ultimately, that's what it should be about, making sure that all clubs are viable mm. come August when technically we should expect a, a proper season of football to begin. That's what it's all about. That's all it's ever been about, isn't it? It's all it's ever been about. And if that can be done, that's a, a big tick in the box. But as you say, the way the National League are going at the moment, um, they are they are now proving how not to run leagues and competitions. Oh, yeah, yeah, comfortably. Uh, um, I mean, the you know, the state of the mess, as we call it in the polite fashion, just rumbles on from from day to day, week to week with, you know, just another development that doesn't paint any of it in a, in a good light. I um, listened, someone sent me a link today for um, the Southport manager, Liam Watson, his post-match interview on um, Saturday after their trophy exit. Um, and he was very damning about the National League board, uh, the funding, the testing. Um, as he, I mean, they, they played Saturday in the trophy. Um, he said they were due to, go away to Brackley on Tuesday night and quite categorically said we won't be going. No. Simple as that. I was, I was, yeah, I was just about to say they've, they've, they've said they're going to boycott it, aren't they? Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, they aren't the only club too. There's a lot of clubs in the South have said, you know, we aren't going to play. Um, simple as that. We're not prepared to, you know, have, have players play wages that just can't get paid because there is nothing that we can that we can do to um, you know bring any money in. It's impossible. Yeah, I was listening to another uh, non-league show before we started we started tonight, and um, Gavin Rose from uh, Dully Jamley was on there. Yeah, and he said he said basically they cannot they can't cannot afford to to play to pay the players. No, and as and as I think. Um, What's the chap's name? Mark White at Dorking. Yeah. He was saying in his interview the other day, you know, um, it's turning into a, you know, a few people have said this, it's turning into a bit of a war of words between different clubs because they're saying, well, yeah, surely, surely you can play, sure you can play. Not every club knows the other club's circumstances and what they are going through at this precise moment in time financially. So I think the National League have made a, a big error here because they're, they're playing, they've sort of put it to a position where they're all playing off against each other. And I saw that there's been um, a, a letter that went through a, a joint statement from 16 clubs saying that they, they don't want to play um, until obviously is resolved. And yet, obviously, the league won fixtures midweek this week from tomorrow night and then expecting them to play against Saturday. So what, what do the league do? Say, OK, you're not, you're not fulfilling a fixture. We give you a fine and a points deduction. You know, how, how are they going to handle this? Because they're basically, they're, instead of taking true leadership and taking command of the situation and saying, we will do this, and having a clear set of rules at the set start of the season, they've left themselves open for this. And the fact that they're throwing it out to the clubs now to make a decision... They're all going to have different ideas. They're all in different positions. If you if you come to it that National League North and National South is null and void, and then you've got the National League, which is obviously a feeder to the main English League, to League Two, the, the English League are going to want promotion. So National League will probably have to go ahead with promotion, but there'll be no relegation from there. 
So what would these clubs that at the moment can't financially afford to do? Pay the players. So what they will do, they will furlough their staff, probably use young academy players because they'll be like, we don't care. We can't get relegated. So we're just going to cut our cloth accordingly. We'll play the games. We'll use the youth players, you know, the players we don't really have to pay a fortune to. And then all of a sudden, the integrity of football has gone out the window. That's my rant. Sorry, chaps. <laughs> oh, you're so right. It's completely right. right. I, I think the I think the integrity went a long while ago. You know, as in uh, you know Liam Watson's interview last season. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, pretty much when they hung on and hung on with the playoffs. You know, and eventually got in round to him in about I think the end of June, beginning of July, which then impacted on the start of the following season um, as well. So that you know that integrity really went. I mean, as um, Liam Watson said in his interview, you know, not one statement has come out from the chairman of the National League, not one at all. Not seen him anywhere. Um, you know, you've got, I think, nine board members as well. I'm not sure if it was 10 because Dover's uh, Jim Palmington's resigned from the board. Um, but again, you've had nothing from those at all. I know that a lot of them are actually part of National League clubs, so they've got their own club's interests at heart. But, you know, no leadership from the top. And as, as Pete rightly said, it's turning into a war of words against clubs, those that want to play those that can afford to play and those that physically just cannot do it. You've, you know, Chester's a great example, second in the table in the National League of having an absolutely storming season, but they're not prepared to risk the financial future of the club. There's also the issue that two or three of the clubs do have as fans trust, they're not physically allowed to get into debt. So there's no way they can take on a loan because their constitution says they can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of, the th- one of the things Jim Palmer said today was um, our governance has descended into chaos and some decisions made by the board seem to change when interpreted by the exec- executive. So if you've got someone like that who's the director of the National League coming out with a statement like that, it says there's something very, very wrong with the, 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 you know, the way it's being played out at the moment. Hugely and it's not, good, it's not good for the game. No, I mean, I had a look at trying at the um, who's voted what and who hasn't, and everything. The National League have been their clubs have been very, very cagey. Only two of them have voted to end, and that's two clubs in the relegation zone. So it's hardly surprising that they're going to turn around and say, you know, we don't want to play. Uh, funny enough, Barnet haven't come out yet, which I'm not surprised at. Um, three have voted to continue. Um, and one are abstaining, obviously, Wrexham, because they're not entitled to any funding or anything anyway. So they've gone, do you know what? I know we've got loads of money anyway, but we're not having a bar of it anyway. So they've been very, very cagey and not making anything public. The North have got nine that voted to end, three have voted to continue, so there's ten still to make public. And in the South, only five have voted to end, nine want to continue, and seven are still to vote on top of that as well. So their their split's going to be very very even um that is very very close to call as to which way it's going to go either way what do you think what do you think though what do you think what way is going to go personally i think because of the north are quite adamant that they don't want to play they don't want to carry on um they'll they'll drag it to the separate vote where the national league will vote and then the north and south vote together the National League will carry on. I don't think there'll be enough clubs in there that will say we're not interested in 
um, completing the season. I reckon there'll be four clubs, Dover and Kingsland, that have already said no. Weymouth and Barnet will say no as well because they've got nothing to gain from being in those bottom four positions. Um, the rest of the National League will say yes, they'll carry on. But I think the North will drag the South to not play and it will null and void. I'd be surprised if it doesn't. But I think it will be very tight. We're talking, I think, no more than about four votes. Either way, it's going to swing. It's interesting that, Trevor, because I was we were asked the same question on another show just recently. And I said that um, I had a feeling that it would be the, the National League South clubs that would just get it voted through that it continues. So it's interesting. Uh, we're only talking a matter of two, three votes, aren't we? Yeah, so yeah. It, it, um, it'll be very interesting to see um, just how it does go. I, I, I've got a feeling that the, I, my take, I felt that the South might just pull the North through and get it to carry on. That, that was my thought. I think I think a, a bit of it will depend on how those the two meetings they had with Sport England um, yeah. last week and the week before with the grants they can apply for, how quick they will come through, I think will depend on whether clubs will say, do you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll somehow get through another couple of weeks if that grant mm-hmm. comes in. But, but bearing in mind that they've already gone through 31 days of January with no money at all. And we're now eight days into February as we're recording again, with no income, if the grants are going to take another two weeks to come through, that's eight weeks without any money coming in. Players are going to have to be paid. There's a good chance that one or two directors have pulled in loans of their own elsewhere just to be able to get clubs through these through these few weeks. So I think a lot's going to depend on that funding process as to whether those clubs that either haven't made public or haven't voted yet, because they've still got till the 28th of February to put their vote in. They haven't got to have it in anytime soon um, it you know it is going to depend a little bit very much on that I think and it is going to be like you said it's going to be that tight one way or the other it's mm. so difficult I've got people asking me every day which way is it going to go and I'm like I really don't know really don't know it's too close to call mm. it's going to be like what? watching the Eurovision Song Contest results coming in isn't it <laughs> go on in what, what happens if it's a tie like in, in your series no one thought like what happens if you know there is an even split between those that want to continue and one and ones that want to um, yeah, end the season, because otherwise you're just going round and round in circles. So, something's got to give. There can't be a tie because there's an uneven amount of clubs in the National League South. There we go. And, and also, also one of the votes has got to be seventy-five percent, hasn't it? That's the first one. That'll that'll go through yeah. as mm. to to split it between the two, and then when you've got the North and South together, you only need fifty to get it through. Well, the abstention, not then. Equal, even it up. No, because he no, because the abstention is Wrexham who are in the National League. Right. Okay. So that yeah. makes no difference to their to their voting. The, the power of, of of the top division is weighted towards them to carry on. Obviously, because of the EFL promotion and relegation contractual obligations. So when it splits in two, which it should do, when you've then got step two are voting on their own and step one are voting on their own, step one will carry through because there isn't going to be enough clubs in there that will want to finish whereas the North and South are fighting out amongst themselves. And quite rightly so, they're all looking after their own interests, as they should be, to ensure that they're all there at the end of the season. But they shouldn't have been put in that situation by the National League board in the first place. Yeah, definitely. With you mentioning um, Wales there with Wrexham, uh, Trevor, um, have you heard the Welsh leagues are restarting in uh, 
March. No, can we go watch? <laughs> Are we allowed in? Bit of a trek. <laughs> but... I, I don't care. I don't care. It's football. It's football. If there's hotels open by then, bang, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. Non-legal way, though. Yeah, yeah, road trip. Road trip. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Would be nice. Would be nice. Are you PNLP? So on Trevor's fantastic blog, footballwriting.blog, is it? Am I right? Yeah. So he's done an interview, with, uh, a few interviews with some managers of non-league this week. Worthing's very own Adam Hinchwood, who we'll move on to a little bit later. It's all about funding, Trevor, wasn't it? And their opinions on funding. So what, what, what was the overall consensus there for you interviewed Adam Hinchwood from Worthing, Richard, Richie Styles from Tunbridge Wells. Richie Styles from Tunbridge Wells, yeah. Yeah, Lee Rob, Robson from Wroxham. Yeah, basically, I thought my blog was going a little bit very National League and Barnet. Obviously, not a lot else going on, so there ain't really much else to sort of write about, but it was getting a little bit sort of repetitive, so I thought I'd try and redress the balance a little bit and go and speak to a few people from sort of steps three to three to six, having this this extensive contact book to have book I have these days. Um, so I spoke to Adam, obviously, at Worthing at, at step three, just to just to sort of see, um, you know, how how the funding will help them if they can get it. And obviously it's going to, you know, help them stay in, stay in business and be there. You know, when we start again next season, when you drop down even further to, to, to step five, um, it becomes even more in need because they've not had bars open or clubhouses open or anything like that right the way through, even when we were playing games in September and October. Um, and then speaking to Lee Robson, who's, Chairman of Roxham, who are also at step five level as well. Um, they've done quite a bit in the meantime with their grants that they've that they've got. And um, uh, they've put in a new PA system. Uh, they're extending their catering operation. Uh, there was a couple of other bits they've done as well. So they've used their time wisely. They've got their grants in. They've done their work. But um, as as Lee said, though, it's lovely doing all the things all around the pitch and everything, but when there's nothing going back on the big green thing in the middle, um, it's not really a lot of fun. But um, obviously, at the same at, at the same time, you know, those guys understand why we're not playing. Um, but obviously, at the same time, they want to get back into into playing. But no, we're going to probably have to wait until um, it comes to next season. We talked about null and void as well with last year. Um, and you know the reason that there should have been at least something in place this time around, you know this was more than likely going to happen. Um, and the FA have just sort of like shut it off really quick last year, and then not looked at anything. <clears throat> excuse me to um, change change the way things could have been done this year as well. It's good to sort of see like um, getting in. Guys, goes go on to uh, footballwriting.blog, and I mean it is interesting when he's not banging on about Barnet, but uh, it's it's one of those ones. And that... Andy's numbers, James, Andy's numbers. Yeah, oh yeah, and if you've got him on social media, it's a it's a almost daily update, and he seems to try and say, oh, I said I'd buy him champagne when it was clearly bubbles, but you know, if I'm if maybe if I'm back working full time at the end of the year, maybe it will be champagne, but it'll get from a duty free purchase. But right now it's bu- bubbles from Lidl, I think, right now. But <laughs> I'll order it on. Uh, he can deliver it to himself on Amazon, but um. You know, it's, it's talking about Adam Hinchelwood. Um, obviously, Pete and me, and I guess Trevor is a sort of, you know, he's got a nice little, he's got a soft spot for Worthing. Is he? It's his local, one of his local clubs that he can go and see. Um, he's signed a new contract of three years, which you might think, yeah, we don't want to be mainly Worthing centric, but I think 
that's a bit of a statement right now in step three, hopefully maybe step two one day, but he was out of contract at the end of the season. Obviously we've spoken about it before could have been a chance that he might have walked away. There might not have been the money to do it. But for those that don't know, Adam Hinchelwood, um, Pete, I'm sure you can digress a bit more in a minute, but he's um, almost like the CEO of Worthing, I'd say. He is the first team manager, but he's got his fingers in so many pies around the club. I think if he was to walk away, the club would never be in, Pete, don't you think? Yeah, um, to be honest, I was I was absolutely, absolutely made up with the news when I heard it on uh, Friday, I think it was. Mm. So I had a couple Friday night, as you do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you also had some good news in your working life, which was nice to see. But um, I mean, topping up, cherry on the top with Adam signing a new contract. Yeah, it's great. And he, he does so much around the, the, the youth teams. And I know they want to put um, more younger teams up there as well. Uh, obviously, uh, with the new facilities now, uh, the, the new pitch to pitch problem has been resolved. Uh, I've I've watched Adam train a squad on Tuesdays and Thursdays and the amount of times he, he moans about the bobbles on the pitch and I'm sure other clubs when they come down they've they've moaned about it as well. They've moaned about the lights and now we've got new new floodlights as well. So we're, we're all geared up and to secure Adam for another three years, I, I think it's, it's a real coup for the club. Uh, like I say, if he finds he finds these players, he brings them through some youngsters. We just had young Finn Stevens who uh, was let go by Arsenal. He's only a young lad, but he's made two two appearances for Brentford this this season in the FA Cup. Um, and and those you've got Kwame Poku, who he snapped up a seventeen year old, went to Colchester. He's a he's a first team regular now. So you know Adam Adam really has got an eye for players. And the fact, you know, he wants to set up more youth teams. Uh, I've actually drove the academy team to games. Uh, he goes to all the academy games. He, he, he's there on a, a Sunday morning for the under-16 games as well, after he's had a game on a Saturday. Uh, you know, even if he doesn't get back to the 11 o'clock of a night or whatever it is. Yeah, he just he throw, throws it all into it. And yeah, I think it's a, a real coup for the club. I do think with what COVID's going on at COVID at the moment, with everything and, you know, the possibility of null and void, it's a coup because I really didn't know if if we'd be able to sign him down because, you know, could he have got fed up? Could this null and void again think, you know what, I can't be bothered with this. Two years of hard work, not longer than two years of hard work have amounted to nothing. But yet he signed, it's a statement to the league, it's a statement to like clubs around us saying, well, we've signed our manager for another three years. Surely this means only good things for the club. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think a lot of people after this COVID crisis will they're probably sitting there now thinking, you know, is 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 there a future for me in football? Not just uh, some managers and coaches, probably players as well. They're thinking, you know, um, they might they might be looking to get, you know, because a lot of them probably rely on the income they're getting. They've got a job and then they get extra income from playing football. They might think, right, maybe I should pursue my career a bit more. And get more money doing what they do in their day jobs rather than you know being away from their families of a weekend etc so i think there will be a, you know a lot of changes in in the non-league scene with managers coaches players etc don't know what anyone else thinks about that well we've seen it up in um at south shields haven't you because you saw that it was a joint manager am i right chris that one of them went yeah. up to chairman or was it ceo of the club <laughs> and then yeah joint managers and now lee picton is, is chief executive and and graham fenton is the is the sole, sole manager. I, I, just one thing that Pete said before there, um, I, I've got a feeling that you talk about Adam Hinchelwood, 
um, players and staff from clubs who felt hard done by in March and April of 2020, um, I feel have a lot of unfinished business and, yeah. and want to prove once and for all that their teams should have gone up. And they are they desperately now want to do it on the pitch, come hell or high water. So I think the statement from Adam is a good one. Um, obviously, I'm not a I'm hundreds of miles away, but just the just to, to read of him signing that contract tells me he has unfinished business. So that so that Worthing FC are in a good place because they've got somebody at the helm who lives and breathes it. Well, it's like uh, from what I've since knowing you, uh, Chris. It's like you know, obviously you've got a strong affinity with South Shields. You know, you love them. You love them more than your first team. Uh, it sounds like there's strong leadership up there, and it, it, I don't think I think it goes hand in hand with sort of clubs pushing for the titles and pushing for promotion. They've got strong leadership. They've got they've got people involved in the club that want to push the clubs forward. And I even say so with like you know Ian, John, and like Horsham. Okay, it's a slightly different structure, but you know with the way. As much as he, as you know, Dom infuriates me, Dom De Paola with his outspokenness. You really? can just tell really? it's a drive. Really? Yeah, really. It's a. You can tell it's, it's the just first a time drive you've ever mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> few, few things like that, isn't there? But I mean, you could you could probably say it's there as well because I'm sure Dom, like no matter what, you know, people where we think of him and stuff, and you know, people do high in high regard. But he's got a desire for progression, and you can tell a lot of the time is is frustration. And what Horsham have done over the last few years, I mean. You know, they came up from the South. County um, League. The, it's South. County League up there. And look what they've done now. And they're, they're pushing on the doors of National South. So you look overall, there's a lot of strong, and I think as Chris says, unfinished business. Yeah. Uh, just to move on from that slightly, which is why it's vitally important, absolutely imperative that funding is used appropriately to make sure that every club at every level is where they need to be come August of this year. Forget everything that's going on now. Um, we must ensure that every single non-league football club at any level, whatever, no matter what step, has the ability to get going again in August. Yeah. Vital. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny, I was going to ask you, uh, say, for example, Horsham were sitting in where the National League are with this funding issue and everything like that, but you had a good shot at promotion, whether you were in the South maybe or you were, you know, top seven in the actual league itself. How would your club sit with thinking, well, would we gamble and take the loan instead of it's not going to be a grant, it's going to be a loan because we could hit the Football League or we could, from the National League South, hit the National League with it. You know, are we being over ambitious by taking it and saddling the club with debt, or are we taking a calculated risk to go forward? Well, I guess that's what it is. It's a calculated risk. I mean, no one knows what the outcome of the end of the season will be. Um, I guess I would have a look at the finances of the club and say, right, if we were to take this loan on and we didn't get promoted, what would happen? How many years would we have before we need to get promoted to be able to make it work? Um, I mean, it's, it's such a difficult situation to be, especially if you're sort of upper mid-table and you've got a shot of getting the playoffs, mm -hmm. but it's an outside chance. Yeah. I mean, do you risk it? Um, I mean, exactly. 
we're, we're known that football clubs are not in general profitable businesses. So having to repay a grant that you can't already pay back your existing probably loans anyway, or rent to, to stadiums or previous loans you've got with creditors. I mean, it's, it's such a risky business to be in. And I, I personally want to, would, wouldn't want to take that risk on the club. Yeah, I quite agree. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty much what... I mean, if, if, yeah, yeah. if you're first or second and you've got absolutely every opportunity to get promoted, then of course you'd risk it because the, the odds are in your favour. But if, if the odds aren't in your favour, there's no point in putting your, your club's long-term future at risk. Um, I mean, we, we've seen obviously similar clubs like, um, like South Shields, like Worthing, do it time and time again. I mean, I, the, the expectation from a lot of the clubs is, well, if we've done it this season, we can do it again next season when the, when the season resumes. I think you hang on there, though, Johnny, because, you know, you, you think about it. If you did take, if you did take a, long, a long-term loan on or, or something like that and the finances don't stick quite right, then, you know, you're, you're not only gambling with the club's future, you're gambling with the community as well. It's a lot well, of lives that you're putting at risk. And- and so many clubs at this level, and especially at our level, and I know, I know we're not affected by it, but I mean, we are of the level of a National South club, realistically. I mean, we could probably be there. Worthing could definitely be there. But these clubs are huge contributors to the community. There are so, These clubs rely on volunteers. So what you're doing is you're asking these volunteers potentially to put their time at risk if it doesn't work out, because these volunteers will need to put more time into the club should they have financial troubles in the future. So it's, it's not just the club's future, it's the fans' future, it's the volunteers' future, it's everyone's future within the community that you're putting at risk. Actually, Johnny, absolutely right, because uh, I was speaking to fans from Darlington and Gateshead the other day, and... Um, they both said, because in the, in the discussions we had was about the funding, and as two, they are two kind of, well, one's a Phoenix club in Darlington, and the other, Gateshead, um, you know, it was well documented what was going on there with um, Mr. Foreigner, um, yeah. you know, so, and they very nearly didn't have a football club. And both, both those supporters said there's absolutely no way that their clubs have any intention of risking anything that would send them towards that result again. Um, you're right, because the, it's all about, it is about community. Um, and we can go on all sorts of other things like people's mental health. There's a whole myriad of things. Um, not just We cannot risk the future of, of, of our clubs. We cannot. No, there's no chance. It's got to be sorted. Uh, yeah, and I, th- I think that's that's another thing you, you just mentioned. It was sort of, Chris, you didn't go into it, but, you know, uh, local economy, businesses that supply the beer, businesses that supply the, the food, uh, you know, the catering, all the rest of it. There's a lot of drop-down businesses, the people who are putting programmes and what have you. There's a lot of knock-ons, and losing the club from the community has a knock-on to the businesses in that local area as well. Absolutely. Absolutely, it's huge, particularly with clubs with the larger fan bases. You know, you've got if you can you can get in. You know, over you get if you're a club who regularly attracts more than five hundred people to games, it's a lot of money for a lot of subsidiary businesses. The Premier Non-League Podcast. 
Chris, you've got some news about South Shields to share with everyone. Yes. Um, not, nothing happening on that green bit in the middle, but lots going on around it. And um, just, just before the weekend, South Shields announced that they um, had withdrawn the planning application that they had in for a new stand and community hub and are resubmitting new plans for two new stands and a community hub. So, um, Someone's the got the money. Well, <laughs> Hello, Jeff. Well, um, the owner um, and chairman, Jeff Thompson, has made no secret of the fact that um, no, he, he's pumped a lot of money in, but he wants the club to be self-sufficient and support at all, which it already is now. I've had the initial share issue, which made just short of £400,000. So that money there has to be used um, appropriately, and therefore, why not use it as part of the of the um, cash to build the new things? We he bought he bought the land opposite the ground, which were empty units. He wants to build houses on there, and those houses will obviously pay for everything else in in the development. But um, not having much success, I think, in getting planning for the houses, but. There is money in the kitty there from the share issue, which has to be spent. So um, the plan was for the for one nine hundred and I think it was nine hundred and eight seats, something like that, uh, along the Shaftesbury Avenue side of the ground, which is where um, we kind of commentate from and film from. And that, but now they're going to put a they've put a planning application in for another new stand behind the goal at what we know as the three G end. Um, but that stand won't be built for a minimum of 12 months um, just to see where the club is in terms of league position and because of the current crisis in the world where we are in 12 months' time. But the, the club so, Chris, have you made sure um, Jeff is going to build you a commentator's booth, like a proper one? Is that in a plan? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. We might not need to commentate as much when we get fans back. The whole point of commentating on the live stream was because fans weren't allowed in. So the need for a commentary box might not be as great, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. But but again, it, it's why I'll go back to what I said five minutes ago. We must make sure clubs are where they need to be to allow themselves to progress. Now that might be someone at step seven and eight. It doesn't matter. Um, South Shields are in a position where they you know they can develop, but. It, 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 it all goes down to making sure the right decisions are made everywhere. And South Shields putting those planning applications in is because they've made no secret of the fact that they want to go up the pyramid. Mm. So um, to get planning permission for two new stands, one will be built immediately, uh, but the other one for a minimum of 12 months, because it's pointless building another new stand if we're still in the Northern Premier League. Yeah. So... Um, it's sensible. Okay, what are the views up there from your board, Chris? Uh, do they think that it's going to be August till we get going again? Or are they hopeful that, like I said earlier, the Welsh League is starting in March? Do they think anything will happen with either Project Non-League? Uh, do they think anything can happen where we could play some sort of competition in March, April, May? Possibly just April and May in this country, or what? What are the thoughts from from South Shields as a whole? As a whole, I couldn't really answer that because I haven't. I've got a meeting with um, Shields Chief Executive Lee Picton on 
Wednesday we're having a Microsoft Teams meeting. So um, what, he, what he is doing is part of his new role. He's speaking with as many stakeholders as possible. And this will be our third get-together. Um, so I've no doubt that um, he'll update us on what he can with that. So when we get together again in a couple of weeks, I'll have, hopefully have some more news for you. But in terms of not just our Shields, but up here, football in general, not a lot of talk. Um, nothing about the potential of any restart nothing about the potential of some kind of hybrid competition. Um, I've just got this nagging feeling that we'll just go null and void and we'll start again in the summer. Um, because, that free. Be, because if you look at the weather we've having, you know, would, would we have had any football? Um, is another question. Had, had we been in a position to play football, we've had, we've had a week's rain um, it's rained every day for the last week. We've had snow. Pitches would be waterlogged anyway. So um, that's not going to change for the foreseeable. So I think to try and fit competitions in would be very, very difficult. For me, and I never thought I'd see the day say this, but I, I'd be advocating the stop and everything, null and void. We'll go again in August, but maybe start the season a couple of weeks earlier and, and have less pressure on getting fixtures in, get games played early on, you know, where you've got good weather, players fresh and fit, and, and get get an extra five, six games played um, so that when the bad weather does come, you haven't got the pressure on you. Would you advocate a winter break? In non-league? No. No. Because... Just want to um, throw it in there, chaps, because see you all no, nodding your heads. <laughs> I wouldn't, Pete, because uh, particularly clubs in and around our steps, the Christmas games, New Year games in particular, if you think of a Christmas break or a New Year break, they're money spinners, local derbies and many, mm, you know, true. quite often. Um, and if you have a winter break, the weather's bad. Um, you really need to have an early spring break because it's normally February where the the weather's at its worst, as the, the seasons seem to be getting later now. So um, if you're going to have any kind of break, it would have to be about now, I guess. Mm. Very true. Yeah, I, yeah, I wasn't saying over the Christmas period or New Year's yeah. period, because that's lucrative. But, you know, sort of <laughs> middle middle January to middle February, there always seems to be a lot of waterlogged pitches and everything at our level. So, so the players are getting the break anyway, aren't they? So, yeah. Right um, at the moment, yeah. Unforced. <laughs> <laughs> so but obviously you know a lot of clubs got 3g so generally it's it's not a big issue or 4g uh see johnny uh, shaking his head what do you think johnny well winter break absolutely not i mean what do you do spend some time with family over the winter break no thanks <laughs> Love it. Love what, it. Your, what your future plans is i wouldn't mind to be fair <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it's a weird one, Johnny. I was going to say um earlier on in this week, I uh, changed the subject. Now is um, you retweeted or something a, a thing called Footy Scrans or Footy Grub or something. I can't remember what it was on First Twitter. First time I've ever seen it. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's a new account. I think it's a new account. And um, I didn't notice, but Horsham do um chips and Jalfrazy curry. Uh, it sounds pretty nice. Um, and it sort of got me onto thinking some of the weird and wonderful things that you've seen around the grounds at non-league. And I had a quick look earlier on. Um, 
Merthyr Town. So sausage, chips, and curry sauce in a hollowed out cob bread roll. <laughs> so it's quite good to keep all the gravy in. I was gonna, I, I, bit, could, I could do with a bit of that. Yeah, but I think would it be a bit messy at a football ground? Because okay, it'd be all right to keep the thing, but then when you're going to get the bread and anything like that. Um Bursco FC, obviously for the veggies out there, a pea dog. So it's mushy peas in a hot dog roll. <laughs> Don't think so, no. Um, St. Johnson, okay, it's Scotland. Um, it's like the mac-, mac and cheese pie. Yeah, I'm here for that. Yeah, yeah. all about that. I've had that at the NFL. I think it'd be quite nice. Um, at, at Wembley. Macaroni cheese pie? Yeah. Yeah, they had one at Wembley last year. Is that was it a special stand or was it like a or was it the general grub that they have at Wembley? No, uh, club club Wembley, darling. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by CAE, yeah, 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 yeah. So he probably paid over the odds for that anyway. So <laughs> I saw how much those NFL tickets were and a couple of them were expensive. Um, and two in a Mitchum, I think this is probably favourite jerk chicken and chips. I think that'd be good. Mm. Chicken, chicken. So, yeah. chaps, what have you ever seen any um any weird and wonderful food? I mean, Pete loves his secret sausage shop in um where was that going to be? What ground was that? Bishop Stortford. No, Chris, Chris, it's not what you're thinking. Um, basically, <laughs> on the coach on the way, there's an industrial estate. The ground is in the middle of an industrial estate, and there's a place there called the Secret Sausage Shop. Ah. Relate. I didn't go inside it because it had all those bangles hanging from the door, <laughs> and I thought this looks a bit dodgy. <laughs> yeah, he knows what happens behind all those bangles. Pete's Pete's a frequenter of those type of places. <laughs> Johnny, you had your hand up. Yeah. So, although not football or soccer related, I went to New Orleans and I had a crocodile burger at the yeah. stadium. Yeah, I um when I was in New Orleans um for work um I had a crocodile sausage po' boy, and uh, it yeah. did taste very very good. Um, I was surprised. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, very sort of. I can't remember sort of describe the taste, but almost like a chickeny type. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. Chris, well, anything? Like any any, any weird and wonderful things up north like that you see no, grounds up there? Not weird, but wonderful. Um, we um South Shields. Is renowned for its Savaloy dips um, from uh, Dixon's Pork. We call it Dixon's Pork Shop. It's pork butchers. Dixon's a big firm in, in, in from South Shields, but it's all over the northeast. And um, they do the Savaloy dip, which is basically a Savaloy in a, a, a kind of in a roll, but it dipped in. Um, it's, well, it gets dipped, and it's got peas pudding stuffing. Um, you can get mustard on it, and um, South Shields Football Club um, sell them. Um, oh, okay. And so, if any of you ever came to a game and we continue, you'd be able to get a Savaloy dip. Um, so I'd have to be um, watching the calories for the whole week before, by the sounds of it. With that, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the reasonable kind of bread roll. Um, but it, they are. I've never really got into them. Uh, but they are a massive, massive delicacy up here, huge. Uh, when yeah. Shields got the Wembley and the Vars in 2017, the first chant was um, Savaloy dips on Wembley Way. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so is that is that their version of the Palmo? That is it, Middlesbrough the Palmo? No, 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 totally different. 
No, um, what I mean is, it's like, is it like, because is it Newcastle that they do the Parmo? Is it sort of their, is the dip South Shields is sort of renowned food? Yeah, South Shields has the Savaloy dip. Um, Middlesbrough, Teesside, they have the Parmo. The Teesside thing. I noticed when I went to a Middlesbrough game one time, there was a stall selling roast potatoes and gravy outside the ground. Mm. I thought that was quite a good, uh, quite a nice little thing for the winter. Yeah. That'd be a good little winter warmer. Where's your mate? Pete, have you ever seen... Uh, you, I'm the dunno, mate. On my body. Pete, <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you ever sort of uh, had anything on your non-league travels or anything around that you sort of... Well, the, weirdest, the weirdest ever dinner, and I'm not going to go far from home here, a pre-match sort of meal before I was commentating, was at Horsham. I had, I had curry and chips <laughs> before the match at sort of, you know, two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. It's like, I've never eaten curry and chips at that time of the day before. Yeah. And it was Probably quite unusual. Hangover, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the Jal yeah. ones that were famous. Ian, what about yourself? I'd, I'd, I'm just here for the alcohol, mate, to be honest with you. <laughs> I very rarely, I very rarely go for for food at a ground. I go, I have a pint. Um, but, yeah, well, <laughs> it's generous. I, I literally most most food I found in most stadiums is identical, like cut and paste. Yeah, mm. there are there is normal. Uh, Trevor, anything around the non-league that rings a bell for you? I know you sort of said you normally just quite vanilla and just get a burger and chips or something if you went, but have you ever sort of? No, I've come anything. across anything really weird. Not really weird. No. I mean, the only thing I'd say would be a vegan burger at Forest Green. Oh, well, uh, actually, yeah, for, luckily, Forest Green, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, luckily, uh, luckily, the last time I went to Forest Green, they were still doing meat burgers. But, um, you know, I'm all for, you know, if that's what people want, great. But that when that's all you can get, that wouldn't really entice me as an, as an, as an away supporter to make it a number one away day, even though it's a nice trek down there and everything. But no, nah, just give me a cheeseburger. That's all I want. Good enough. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, get, get. not not that horrible one, Pete. Do you remember we had a um, Shoreham FC? It literally was probably horse meat or something like that. It was that wrong. It was just like it was disgusting. When when we had that guy who was a Brighton fan saying, "Oh, they serve beer quicker at the Amex," and this is like, mate, this is Shoreham FC. Like they didn't even expect how many people were coming today. Uh, it's because all the football's been cancelled. Yeah. I think they ran out of beer, didn't they, at one stage? They went out of beer at half time, which was putting right there. They had to get some more, didn't they? Yeah. Well, the Amex is the largest ale hall. Oh, is it? When the Amex is open, it's the largest ale hall in the country. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. They've actually been. I went to a wedding fair in the Amex years ago. Why it went so wrong? Wife's in bed, so she's asleep. Bless her heart. Johnny, last but not least, what what any sort of food that sticks out that you've had at a ground? No. no, just your mac and cheese pie. Just the mac and cheese pie at Wembley, yeah, mate. Yeah, but I mean, to be I'm, fair, I'm, again, I'm pretty vanilla. I'll just go for a cheeseburger and chips. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing is, is, as we say, quite a few of us in this chat are NFL fans. You know, some of the food you get and the cost of the food you get at um, these NFL games in America is just extortionate. Like, you see families spending small fortunes when they're spending $20 on a chili dog and they have a beer that costs $15, $20 and then they have an ice cream. You're like, Jesus, like, the amount of, sort of money that they don't seem to really care about. But uh, it's so American. And their but... season t- ticket costs five grand as well. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. And if you're if you're a baseball fan, the ones that sort of you go to match every other night almost or every night sometimes. So mm. it's a, we digress anyway, chaps. Um 
we're coming to the end because, as as I said at the beginning, we've really not got much different to talk about now, and that's why we thought we'd lighten up a little bit with the food, and maybe we could talk about drinks or something next edition or something. Because I think we get into that by when we started to scrape the barrel of uh, a favorite subject. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Pete's favorite. Yeah, but we're not talking about boring Carling, darling, are we? You know. Um, but we always end on this and say, uh, Pete, have you uh, got any shout outs? And when I said to him too early, he chucked his clipboard over his shoulder. So I'll take it. That's nothing, is there? No, that was, it was just my notes for the podcast this evening on the different or bits that we've already <laughs> spoke about. So, yeah, so n- nothing. Everything I've sort of seen is um, sort of recycled stories from from years ago. And I thought, no, no, we need, yeah. we need, we need fresh, fresh stuff. And obviously, there's not a lot of. Um, games going on apart from the national league and and without fans you're not going to get these things anyway no. let's face it well i was going to say one thing that's quite sick of it. it's not really non-league but these death threats that mike dean's been getting i mean so have some of these fans seen the standard of refereeing we get down at our level i mean god if, if they're sending death threats to mike dean god knows what they'd be sending if they saw some of the referees at our level but it's not the referees wouldn't get out of the ground would they uh-huh. it's just oh it's it's just despicable to be honest you know it's another human being okay you get annoyed at the time but afterwards you, you just forget about it have a moan about the ref in the bar and that's as far as it should go I saw tonight they're actually targeting his daughter on Twitter, which is way step too far. They're sending, they've found his daughter's account and they're sending her, tell your dad we're going to kill him and stuff like that. It's just, it's what is wrong with people this world? Charming. Like, it is the keyboard warrior. It is. And, you know, it's quite sad and pathetic to think that, you know, well, you get abuse and it's, it's an easy cop out, isn't it? Would they actually do that to his face? Probably not. Well, this is the thing with, Ed and, Probably the trouble with uh, Twitter and some other uh, social media sites is, like you say, they, they hide behind a keyboard. They don't have to give a, you know, a proper name and address or anything. And, you know, it's one of the ways we're going to stamp this out is if people have to give their proper details to open accounts and then they can be, be held accountable. And you'll notice all of this will drop off, at an, you know, really quickly, including racism in football, the amount of abuse that players are getting. It will drop off at the drop of a hat if they've got a cop on and knocking on the door, banging them up in the cells. Yeah, the internet is great in quite a lot of ways, but also it's very wrong. And I think there needs to be a line drawn when a referee's daughter's been scouted out. Someone's taking the time to find her because I don't think her username's anything to do with him. But they found her and just sending her death threats. And so it's just, it's not right, is it? Absolutely dreadful. Dreadful. But um, to try and end on a bit more of a positive note, um, hopefully Please next do. week. Um, yeah, yeah, hopefully next week. Well, we're waiting. We're waiting to cross the T's and dot the I's. But hopefully we're going to have a a new partner with for the Premier Non-League podcast. I don't want to tempt any fate or anything yet, but hopefully we can announce it um, in a couple of weeks' time. But um, it should be some exciting news to push us to the next level. Hopefully, so stay tuned for that. And uh, if you've got any thing you want to discuss if you want to come on if you want to any sponsorship opportunities any talking subjects please do contact us at the PNLP uh, we've got Facebook groups Instagram groups Twitter all sorts um, I'm sure you'll get one of us on there and um, really there's not much more to say than that chaps but 
it's been good to get together. We haven't fallen out like the village, um, the village council or the meeting. Um, <laughs> parish council, the parish council. Parish council, uh, know your orders. Uh, I mean, I haven't had to shout that tonight, despite the fact we did get, uh, as if you looked in the WhatsApp group, my wife decided to superimpose me on the head of that woman, uh, Jackie or whatever her name was. Jackie Weaver. Uh, you're going to have to post that up, James. When yeah, you, when, when you said that, I thought you were going to get us to finish with the YDA when you said the village meeting. Yes, I did. I wonder where he's going with it. My favourite song, mate. My favourite song. But um, (laughs) I look forward forward to catching up with you guys in a couple of weeks. And we say every time, maybe there will be some more news. But as the weeks go on, this is going to be dragged out and dragged out and dragged out because no one wants to make that decision, eh? But um, myself, James, and the rest of the chaps, have a good uh, week, month, evening, couple of weeks. Stay safe. Wear your mask get vaccinated, do whatever you're going to do and uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Ciao. Bye. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.